Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I seem to have lost a microphone down there. <laughs> <laughs> Not very clever. Where is it? <laughs> I think possibly I'd better turn this That should be on now, yes, that's better. <laughs> so, well, technology one, preacher nil. Um, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Uh, from the word go, we notice in the words of the book of Ecclesiastes that we're dealing with, a, with that we're hearing the words of a cynic. Far be it for me to suggest that he might have been a retired priest. Um, he writes in the name of King Solomon, the most successful and most prosperous of all the kings of Israel. And we hear that Solomon enjoyed his success. He could do what he wanted, have what he wanted, and took full advantage of it. But happiness? No indulgence. No praise and respect from other human beings. No achievement in his rule would ever be enough to make him happy. Just look back to the start of his reign. We're told that God asked him what he wanted. He asked for wisdom and understanding in governing this great people. And that's held up as an example, quite rightly, how we should ask for what we need and what the community needs rather than for pleasures for ourselves. And God gave him that wisdom and the other gifts too which he might have asked for. Long life, riches and success. But it does seem that that request for wisdom was the last occasion on which he realized that all that matters comes not from human beings, even out of the heart of a wise man, but from God. I applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings. That's the conclusion of human wisdom. The conclusion that Solomon seems to have reached. It didn't matter that his many wives, for instance, chose to bring to court all the foreign gods that they were used to. The king came to depend on earthly wisdom and was celebrated for earthly power, not for godliness. And despite all his wealth and fame, he wasn't happy. Nor will any of us find happiness if we look to the earth rather than to the heavens. <clears throat> I think it's not often that the that two readings that are set flow into each other quite as well. 
You remember how the reading from Ecclesiastes finished? This also is vanity. Things are pretty bad, in other words. So let's go on from there. This also is vanity. So, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that Solomon in all his glory wasn't seeking. You'll notice that there was no mention of love or service in the things of Solomon. It was all about rule, about wealth, about power. Those things are above. Those are the things that come from heaven. Those are the things that are valuable. So seek the things that are above. And I don't think any of us are any better at doing that than Solomon was. Blessed, said Jesus, you remember, are the poor. Not those whom God has made rich in earthly terms. Put to death, therefore, says St. Paul, among other things, greed. Put to death greed, which is idolatry. Of course, we don't think of ourselves as greedy people. But the fact still is we consume far more of the world's resources than is our fair share. Greed, which is idolatry. The greed, the desire for more, which, instead of bringing us back to God, separates us from him. That assumption that what really matters in life is money. You can't do anything without it. How easy it is to think that what matters first of all is human wealth, earthly money. And only secondly, our relationship with God. It's not actually easier to live in our society any more than it was in the Roman Empire without accepting that basic premise that all value can be measured in cash, that prosperity can be gauged by the bank balance, not by our state of mind, our happiness, or relationships with other people. Yet by taking the first steps of becoming a Christian, you, yes, I mean you and me, have stripped off all the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Yes, that stripping off, that renewing has started. The call to us is to see that process through to completion, not in our strength being God's. And to get rid of the things that come between us and what we can be. What we can be in Christ. 
And the list of things not to do is quite a long one, isn't it? Mentioned in this letter to the Colossians in those few verses. Fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language, lying, prejudice against other human beings. But surely the hardest one to cope with, to get rid of, is greed. Jesus recognised that greed in someone in the crowd. He was only seeking a proper sharing of wealth within his family. Jesus told of the greed of the rich man, busy building new storage barns for his crops, which he would not consume. That man looked forward, saying to himself, relax, eat, drink, be merry. That relaxing, eating, drinking, being merry was not to happen. It's what he hoped for, like King Solomon. Like such a big part of each one of us. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Just to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. We learn, but we need to learn to be rich towards God. To be rich not in terms of pound notes in our pockets or healthy sums in our bank balances, but in love, in service to those around us and those far away too. Better advice for those of us who do not want to be fools like that someone in the crowd. Relax. Yep, it's allowed. Pray. Give thanks. Give thanks for all we have rather than longing for more. Eat and drink the precious gifts of God. Then, yes, be merry. Filled with, with the joy that God alone can give. Always depending on God for everything that we could possibly want or need.